Welcome to episode 89 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with today's guest, Kyle Kalk. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Kyle Kalk. Kyle, thanks for joining me here today, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. I'm super stoked to chat with you. We're gonna we're gonna probably be fighting a little bit of uh, a little bit of lag in this episode. If anyone's watching the video of this one, Kyle's joining us from the forest, and I think that's a great place to start. Kyle, tell us about w- why you are in the forest and what it is that you do and how you got there. Yeah, so I do. I'm always excited to do podcasts and have a little bit of nature in the background because, yeah, most people are in all these like really nice studios, but I am out here in Clay Ellum. I'm actually just wrapping up my summer, which is pretty wild. It's been 70 degrees and hot and sunny uh, here late in October. But yeah, this summer, me and a buddy, we built an off-grid mobile glamping village to encourage people and give people the opportunity to get outside more. And I'm just wrapping that up, cleaning up all the tents, putting away all the gear and getting ready for the next thing. So you guys had a a whole village out there. It wasn't just you and and your your little home or with a buddy. How many people were involved in all this? Um, you can kind of see, I got all these tents back there, um, but we had five glamping sites and it was me and my friend, my business partner, Mark, um, we pretty much did everything. Like we, we we definitely had friends and people helping us out, but we cut down the trees, milled all the decks, built all the decks, uh, flattened all the sites, put up all the tents. And then we basically just hosted people through Airbnb and other kind of uh, short-term rental apps. I see. So, so you guys were more, or the other people who were living there weren't there the whole summer. You've been there the entire summer since, well, if, if, if we're calling now summer still end of summer, when did your summer start, quote unquote? Yeah, so I was the only one living on the property. I lived in a white duck canvas tent on one of the milled platforms, and I moved out there in June, and we spent the whole summer building it, and then we opened for rentals in mid-August. I see. And so this will be, now that you've got the site set up, you'll continue to expand it over time, I'm sure, but you'll be ready to go like... May or April, kind of whenever the weather breaks, I guess, next summer. Was that correct to say? Yeah, exactly. And we're excited to bring, you know, a lot of the concepts that I see you talk about and other people like step one was like, get, give people opportunity to get in nature. And then now we're excited to, you know, build a sauna. We have a natural spring fed cold plunge. Um, We want to uh, we have like a workout deck, you know, with barbells and all these kinds of things. So we really want to create this outdoor oasis health spa, right? Like, like the modern gym is cool, but it's like the lamest version of what we could be offering to people. And that's really what I'm excited about is like taking all the podcasts, all the information, all the science, all the know-how, and can we actually build a space that is reflective of the current kind of knowledge base? 
Yeah, that that's one way to say it for sure. That the current gym is the is the lamest iteration of what it could be, and it's because it's built around convenience and time convenience. Get in, get out as fast as you can because we've all got you know millions of other things to do. And whether that's right or wrong or the way that we should be living, I'm not so sure. But if we could spend you know hours training and playing and not even unstructured training where we're not necessarily doing a workout program, but where we are exercising and climbing and just trying stuff and oh, can I do a handstand? Well, can I try it later? Can we train you know four times a day without really training? Kind of thing. So. Is that is that sort of along the lines of where you're going? Is just like a uh, a setup of that is conducive to movement, whereas our traditional setup in our current outside of the forest environment is actually against movement and prohibits movement to an extent. Yeah, anybody who's out there who's done like handstands and monkey and ape crawls in the gym and have gotten a lot of looks. Um, can probably resonate with that. <laughs> and also kind of like the epicness, right? Like I might be like outside doing some movement and like a big bull elk will run through or a sharpshin hawk or a deer or a squirrel or whatever it is. This These like interactive opportunities and experiences that you can have in the world that like we often say like we I run a lot of retreats in nature and We'll like see something epic and we're like, you don't get that in the gym, right? Um, so this idea that like we've compartmentalized our lives into like, okay, like this is my gym time and these are my gym clothes and this is my home time and these are my home clothes. And when I go out, these are my going out clothes and I really want to create a, an ecology, a space that is conducive to, like you said, going in between the things seamlessly that like whatever I'm wearing, I'm at the spa, I'm at the gym, I'm at the community hangout center, like whatever it is that I don't have to like. Yeah, I want to find a modern way that utilizes the amazingness of technology to take advantage of like just science and wisdom um, in order to bring these things together in a more holistic ecology. Yeah, beautiful. And I think that that's something that we we definitely need to find ways to integrate more. Obviously, you know, People who follow me and listen to me know that I'm a big proponent of just going outside, not not necessarily to the extent that you are. I think it's amazing, but I don't do it. Uh, but even just going outside for a walk, like so many people just don't even ever go outside. But what I want to want to really dig into is how did you how did you come to all this? Because it's quite extreme. Like I was just saying, I am a big proponent of going outside, but I haven't lived in the forest for the entire summer. So how like how did this happen for you? Yeah. So once upon a time. I worked in software. I worked for a major international software company and I would spend 8, 10, 12 hours a day at my desk, Olympic level sitting, solving people's technical problems and, <laughs> you know, drinking and partying and kind of living like this really, you know, the modern lifestyle that you see portrayed on TV. Like, I lived in Milwaukee, a major metropolitan city, you know, Thursday through Sunday, I'm going out, going to football games, baseball games, all the things. And I had a realization that like, I don't really have a lot of like skills, 
right? That don't involve mm. a computer, electricity, and the internet. And if you even take away one of those things, I become like really disabled. And as I was having that realization, I was also really into the survival, man versus wild, dual survival, all the TV shows. And I had an opportunity to sign up for a three-day course that was like fire, shelter, and tracking and awareness. And during that course, I made my first like friction fire. I like carved all the pieces and um, it was this whole thing. But eventually I made this fire. I blew this coal into flames and like made and tended to fire. And I was like, holy shit, I am a deep well of untapped potential that with like my awareness, my hands and some sticks from the forest, I created this fire right it was like my first like magical like truly magical experience like i don't understand how that happened but at that point i knew i was a dragon and i was capable of many things um and that basically led me to do a bunch of google searching and i found a nine month um nature connection wilderness survival school uh, called the Immersion Program through the Wilderness Awareness School. So I cashed out my stocks, cashed out my Google ad investments, and I took the year off and I went to the forest and I trained. It was a three-day-a-week program in like uh, survival, edible plants, tracking, awareness, uh, community building skills, I think is the big one that doesn't get a lot of attention. Um and yeah, and it was all centered around like movement and just like human capabilities. And as I was going through that experience, I was learning and deconstructing through podcasts and science, like what I'm doing. Like, I think like a lot of people are like, oh, you're just like a hippie, like living in the woods. Right. And I'm like, dude, the science of what I'm doing is actually freaking crazy in the benefits of being in nature. I don't think people quite understand. So that really um, ever since then, I've been on this journey of like kind of, again, like ancestral living and kind of modern technology. And where can we keep crossing those over in ways that are like anti-fragile and beneficial for all of us? That's incredible. I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head there with trying to blend modern technology and ancestral living. I don't think it's, I don't think it would be feasible and probably not good. You know, I'm, I'm a, a I don't know. I think, I think haters too strong of a word, but it's like, yeah, we've got a, we've too, too much technology, too much stuff. And so I don't want to, you know, I don't know a better word, but I'll call myself a hater of that stuff. But I also realized that we wouldn't be doing this podcast if it weren't for modern technology. And there's so much modern science, as much as we, you know, we'll shit on the Western medical system and whatever. It saves a lot of lives. You get into a car accident. I would, you know, take me to a hospital, cast me up, give me the drugs, like do all the stuff. Right. But there for the rest of the time there is some more of that ancestral living type of things that we should be implementing and shouldn't have gone so far away from but for you to make that switch that seems like a huge switch cuz you're you know like you said desk job tech 
stocks sitting at the desk all day long. Was there a lot of nature involved like in your childhood? Were you camping and, and doing outdoor sports and all these things growing up or did this just flip like in your adult life? Mostly in my adult life. I mean, as a child, I did grow up playing outside and being in the outdoors. We were actually like the first house in the subdivision, right? So when I first moved into like the suburban neighborhood as we now know it, I watched all the nature go away and I watched all the houses come up and in I was soon indoctrinated into more of a mainstream lifestyle and Really, my only nature experience was like music festivals and disc golfing. <laughs> like that was it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I knew kind of reflectively that I was dissatisfied in my current situation, and I knew that in order to make a change, like I'm the type of person that like I can't do a weekend class, right? I need to immerse myself. And, you know, I was just seeing, I was, I was the trap that I was in. I could not escape without leaving, like physically transporting myself to a new environment. I mean, I was like selling lots of weed, drinking bar fights, like just going out all the time. And I was just, I saw the destructive nature of it. And I didn't see a way out of it other than like, I have to leave. Um, and yeah, followed that call, which I really didn't understand at the time. Like, I didn't know what intuition was. I didn't know what any of this like weird, like spiritual calling, you know, any of these things. I was just like, oh, I got like $30,000 in the bank. Like, let's go do this thing. <laughs> I don't think that that's all that disconnected from from the tech side of stuff. Like, I'm not sure exactly, you know, what what job you were doing, but in tech, you're solving problems, and so you identified that a problem in your life was disconnection from nature and uh, too much sitting and all these things. And so you went about finding a way to solve that problem. The answer was just not using technology and going going away from the technology. But it's still problem solving in and of itself. Do you think a lot of those skills like translated over from your tech background into into building this community? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we I think we're often unaware of how our past is dictating our future. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing that I got out of living in the city was social skills, was the ability to hmm. just be with people and have conversation and like shoot the shit and share story. Um, but yeah, definitely like problem solving because. I, I've seen so many. So I came back to work at the school that I went to. So I was a student and then I implemented those skills and wilderness therapy for a year. Then I came back to see hundreds of people. So I worked there for six years after my experience and I was the go between. So I interviewed all the students and then I got to watch them go through the experience and come out the other side. And in that I was like deconstructing and trying like even the teachers who had worked there for like 10 years, 
Like, on some level, they didn't understand or didn't dive into what was happening. They're like, yep, we do this thing, we teach them about nature, and people are profoundly transformed. And they kind of, like, stopped there. But I was like, why are they transformed? Why are people, you know, coming here and radically shifting their health, radically finding deep, meaningful experiences, like, finding this aliveness and this joy and so yeah i think my like tech brain like really went into like oh like actually like oh when you put your bare feet on the ground you're picking up electrons oh when you sleep outside you're orienting your circadian rhythm which is kind of dictating your hormonal processes so you're more apt to be able to be happy and productive in your life you're getting all of this movement nourishment by moving through dynamic environments and as i just started to like learn about it and deconstruct my own experience and then see people go through that um and then later like in 2020 finally coming upon uh the work of john verbakey he like gave me like deep language of like wow again spending time in nature is not trivial right the joy and the effects that are happening whether you know it or not are not trivial they'll actually like quite profound in um in, yeah ridiculous ways check out andrew huberman's podcast if you want to like know the deep deep science of simply just like looking at the sun you know I think the the beauty of it that you alluded to is whether or not you want to really dig into the science and understand what's happening and be super analytical. If you go spend some time in nature, put your feet on the ground, let the the sun touch your skin, you're going to feel better. You don't need to know how and why exactly it's happening, but just do it and you'll understand it for yourself, right? (laughs) Have you had anyone who's come into into your community and been like, yeah, this was like... I didn't feel better at all. Like I, I would be shocked if that happened. Uh, yeah, no, it's just like, you know, like if you think about like all of the richest people, right, they build a house or have an apartment that has a view, right? So even in this right. like modern context, people are still orienting towards nature right they like people on instagram like i'm posting pictures of the sunset and my house has a view right i want to be on the beach we've kind of just we again we've taken the the kind of perspective of like we know that nature is like great but now we we are like so kind of greedy we only want the best of nature Right. You're like, uh, it's raining. It's cold. Like, I'm going to stay inside. But then you're like, I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to the beach where it's warm and sunny. Um, and so I think we understand that on a deeper level, but I want to draw people back into the bigger frame of like, you get those benefits of vacation, um, in a city park. It's all around us. You just have to look for it and go outside and you don't have to look very hard. I was having this <laughs> this conversation with 
Yeah, just like open the door and take a step outside. But like people, it's not a thing that people do. It's not in, in common behavior. I was having this conversation with my brother, who's a software engineer, a few last week, or maybe it was over the weekend. I can't remember. And and somehow we were talking about the metaverse and these and these things that are coming up. And one thing that we were discussing was whether or not we were walking through the forest as we were as we were having this conversation. One thing we were discussing was whether or not that nature experiences over time are going to end up being reserved for the ultra wealthy, ultra powerful people where the rest of us, the, the, the normal people, the working class and below are going to be stuck in the metaverse, stuck at home or in your, in your home, but not like a big home with a backyard, just in your box on the metaverse with your, with your VR goggles on or whatever. And you're living there and you might go to the beach in VR land, but the real, riches in life will be able to afford you to be able to actually go to that beach and that will somehow be reserved. And and I'm not, I, I really badly hope that I'm wrong about that, but I feel like it might be headed in that direction. And if people don't start to, to, to actually experience what it's like to be there, because it's not just the view, it's not just the photo on Instagram, it's the feeling and it's very intangible, but you will feel something in you that will make you, that will make you fall in love with it. And we, we need people like you doing things like this to bring us back out into nature. So first of all, I just thank you for, for that and for doing what you do, because we need more of it. And the more immersive it can get, the better it can be. Like you mentioned that story about creating the fire with your hands that experience will stay with you for forever. And then it led to, you know, no pun intended, but sparked all of the rest of this stuff. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't think you're wrong. Cause I mean, if you look at, you know, low in low income neighborhoods, there is no nature there. Right. The deeper mm-hmm. that, I mean, and arguably everything's nature, like, the streets and the roads and the concrete are all ground down mountains and the buildings are made out of the bodies of the trees. Um, but yeah, if you like are poor to lower middle class and you live in a housing development, like there is very little nature in your neighborhood to the point that they have done a study that showed like increasing like the number of bushes in a neighborhood actually lowered crime in those neighborhoods. Wow. Right. But they also were like thinking we need to get rid of the bushes because that's where like crimes are happening and people are homeless and living in the bush. Um, And so I, I think you're right. Like access is one of the biggest like access to deep wilderness is you know one of the biggest problems for lower income folks right like you need to first of all you need to have gear right then you need to be able to have a car then you got to have gas and then you got to drive physically to that place which could be really far away the deeper in the city that you live you might need to have permits you might need to have like all of this stuff um but everybody in the city has a phone right everybody in the city has a computer you can get free wi-fi anywhere that you go um so we see this already happening and that's one of the you know, inspirations for what we're doing is we wanted to create a space where we provide all of that, right? You don't need any gear. You don't, you know, 
you don't need anything other than the clothes and the ability to get there right so that was our big impetus is like you know like what gear do i need where do i go like you know answering as many of those questions for people as possible and then you can just show up the tent is up the beds are up the blankets are there the stove the wood and you're in a really beautiful place that has hiking trails and river access but i mean um you you're seeing it there is land slotted just literally at the edge of my property it's probably like 400 acres and it's slotted for a 3000 home housing development right and those are even the rich people like they're barely going to be in the nature because they're going to cut down the whole nature and put up all these like townhouses stacked by each other. So I think that reality that you're speaking to is unfortunately on the way. <laughs> Again, I, I hope not as well, but you know, we'll to be determined hopefully not in our lifetime, but we'll see. Another thing that you were kind of alluding to there providing all of the tools and and the the area and the gear and all that stuff i think is also the knowledge most people don't know how to just like go be in the forest for a week and i certainly don't i don't know how to make a fire out of out of nothing if i didn't have like a a lighter and you know whatever i wouldn't i i'm sure i could figure it out i don't think it's rocket science but i wouldn't i don't know how to do it right now if you were like testing me so no you know having someone to show you how to do that and and teach us how that happens so that you can actually enjoy your experience is is big but do you think that we're also losing a little bit of this ancestral wisdom like i got to imagine you know a thousand years ago everybody knew how to make a fire and put up a, a makeshift maybe not maybe even longer than a thousand years but whatever it is put make a fire put up a little makeshift shelter cook food which wild berries you can eat which one will kill you like people must have used to know this as general knowledge and I think probably greater than 99% of us don't know this stuff anymore. So we need, you know, we would need someone like you to, to show us how to do this. How do I stay in the forest for a weekend and not die? <laughs> um, I think two things. So one, yeah, in some ways you're right. Um, other ways, I think I want to give people a little bit more benefit of the doubt that somebody like yourself, like, I think you might figure it out. I think it might suck a lot but I think you're going to make it. <laughs> and I mean, for me, I'm like a four-year-old. Like if, if you were to plot me into like a place-based culture or an indigenous village somewhere in the world, I'm like, I'm a four-year-old child, like hanging out. And I think something that you see is, is the things that children orient to naturally when left to in an unstructured space is those most innate human skills. What do kids like to do? They love to build a fort, right? And if you were never told not to build a fort, eventually you get really fucking good at building forts until you're an adult and then you would build a shelter, right? Kids love playing with fire, right? They love figuring out what burns, what doesn't burn, right? And as they were to continue in that, um, hide and go seek, right? Like that's your basic, like hunting, sneaking skills. So all of these things that kids 
orient to naturally are the most basic human skills. And if we were just to let them continue on that path, they would be amazing, right? You can say the same thing for movement, right? Like you don't teach a baby how to walk. Like, who do you think you are that you taught the baby how to walk? No, the baby, the young child, like figured that out, right? Through lots of practice and repetition and orientation. And then they figure out how to run and they figure out how to move and be in the world. And so I want to both give us a lot of credit for kind of our natural arc and like proclivities of who we could be if we were just left to tinker. And then, for sure, we stand on the shoulders of the giants that come before us, that a good teacher, a good mentor, you know, can propel you on that journey way faster and with way less suffering than you could ever do on your own, right? Like, as a personal trainer, like, you are invaluable to people. It's like, cool, yeah, go watch some YouTube videos. Like, go figure this out. Everything is free on the internet, and if you have the inclination and inspiration, you could figure it out. But most people don't. They need that relational approach and your expertise of like, hey, like, you know, I know your leg hurts, but it's actually because your lower back is weak or it's because your opposite side shoulder is overcompensating and you can help them move through that journey in the same way that like I can help somebody with fire, right? Like um, at our retreats, we use a constraint-based approach. Instead of being like, here's the procedure, here's how you do A, B, C, D, um, you can create the context, right, for them to figure it out on their own, and then you can simply just offer uh, tips and tricks along the way. Right, I guess that's based on the fact that, or or the idea that people can figure these things out, and, and it, you learn it more when you just learn it yourself. If I just copy the exact steps that you do without using my brain as to how to start a fire effectively, I won't have learned it, because if you're not there the next time, then I won't remember what the steps are. You need to guide me and show me and maybe just do it and then I can watch and then try and emulate that and figure out, oh, that didn't work. I did this wrong. This this technique that I used really did work and so use that again. And I think the the connection to movement and exercises is an easy one there as well because like I think that being a personal trainer and 95% of what we do is it's almost silly and it almost like shouldn't exist in a perfect world. Like I shouldn't have to teach people how to do a squat and like use their body in these like basic movement patterns. But due to the environment of, of our you know modern world, that child is told to stop doing that at some point. And then, you know, 30, 40, 50 years go by and it's like, oh, my entire body hurts. Well, why does this happen? That shouldn't be happening. And so you go see the personal trainer to figure out how to squat, how to, you know, use your back, how to do whatever. And, but like, that's not, that shouldn't, that shouldn't exist in a perfect world, but it does in this world, which is imperfect. And so we're doing all this work to like offset the things in our environment. And and that's fine. It, it, it keeps me employed and, but it is a, it is a, a, a silly, a silly, I don't know, just thought that I, I have this thought, like 
almost daily in the gym where it's like this <laughs> this job shouldn't it shouldn't exist i should we should be doing should be doing other things with this like training for for olympic events or you know high level athletes but the average person shouldn't need to be taught how to move their body because like you mentioned if a child is just allowed to keep playing they're going to figure it out and their body is going to be perfectly okay like you ever seen a kid complain about a hip pain no, because they just keep playing and their body just figures it out and it all it all works out fine, right? So it's it's just one of those kind of like silly thoughts that I that I often have, but I think the thing the same thing applies to nature, right? I shouldn't it should be normal for me to know how to like jump over a log and climb a tree and and these kind of things, but it's not because I just haven't had to do that since I was since I was a kid and I was playing and then eventually you stop playing and and maybe that's the thing. Maybe we shouldn't stop playing in our life. Maybe that's the real message there. Yeah, I mean, before I dive deep into the lovely topic of play, like one of the thing, uh, crazy thoughts that I have is like, we are probably the only species on the planet that have no idea what we can eat, right? Like the fact that we like <laughs> debate and argue over diet, like diet is the most controversial issue that is like known. Like if when I, I had chickens, I would dump some food in the chickens and they would eat it or not eat it. There was just things that they wouldn't eat. They didn't like have to like, you know, look up some Instagram like guru and figure out like, oh, can I eat this? Do I strain and juice it? Like, what should I eat? Um, so that's just really that's really how far we've come. Right. Is like some of the most basic ways of being human like eating and moving we are very confused on what happened and i think play is a really useful tool to recover that because play is this idea that we basically go into this imaginal realm Right. Like if I put on a frame and I'm playing a game, the game is not inherently real, but I can enter into that frame and I can move the pieces around and I can gather insight and then I can bring that insight into the real world. Right. And I can go back and forth um through that like we often use play as a metaphor like let me play around with this let me play with this idea um but i don't i think a lot of us stop playing and we don't really understand um how beneficial it is how much insight that we can gain and if you look across the animal kingdom Almost every mammal learns about the world and learns how to hunt and participate in the world through play, <laughs> right? Like lions are playing yeah. with each other. That's how they learn about their body and space and how to hunt. Um, we see the same thing with monkeys and all even rats wrestle and pin each other down and they learn about like fairness and play. Like if a, um, and I think it's like JP rat studies. Basically, if a, a smaller, a bigger rat beats the smaller rat more than 30% of the time, the smaller rat will no longer invite play with the bigger rat because it's not fun with them. 
right? And that's like teaching you like little like virtues and moral compass of like, hey, maybe I shouldn't just dominate everything all the time because that's not fun for the other people involved. Interesting. And that's obviously not like a a conscious thought of the rats. They're not they're not, you know, counting it up and dividing it and coming up with, oh, you beat me more than 30% of the time. So therefore, uh, I don't want to play with you anymore. It's like, you know, you play with a, a younger cousin or a younger sibling, play basketball or something, and you just smoke them every time. Like, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun for, for anyone, maybe once, maybe twice. And then, and then that's about it. Do you find that in, in your retreats that you really need to work hard to facilitate play that people have a hard time letting go and just playing is that something that you've experienced honestly no it's actually pretty amazing how quickly people drop in and i would say like the maybe if there's a problem it's like people they haven't played in so long that they go a little too hard right like play is deeply (laughs) deeply revealing of your character Right. Like I'm kind of like a little like trickster. Like um, I like to push the boundaries. Right. And then you have the people who break the rules or you have the people who like really stand back and kind of watch. Um, So it's really amazing how play again reveals characters, allow people to all enter into the space at whatever level. And that's what a, like a true game is. I think um, like football is we have all these highly specialized positions, but when you're playing a game of like tag or like watchtower kind of advanced hide and go seek in the forest, everybody can enter um, at their own level. Maybe you really like to run. Okay. You could run and hide. Okay. Maybe you want to be more sneaky. Okay. Maybe you're going to utilize camouflage. Okay. Maybe you're going to really be aware of the space. So that's what I love about play is people like whether you're 18 or 67, people can all enter into the space, um, really quickly. And then if anything, they like, they're like, they just go way too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a better alternative. It's it's surprising to me because I would have guessed that because people stop playing, they have a hard time letting go and letting their uh, e- emotion and intuition guide them. Now, maybe there's a there's somewhat of a bias here where the people who are seeking your experience are more predisposed to these things and maybe have done some more soul searching, playing, being in the forest. They're not like, haven't been tied to their desk and then all of a sudden just go to the forest on a whim. So, so maybe there's that as well, but, uh, but I'm happy to hear that. And I think it, I think everyone is capable of it. Of course, right. We can all let go. We just might have to break down those barriers and those walls that have been built up over being proper, dress like this, sit up straight, do this, don't yell, don't, don't act out a turn. And, and that's what brings us back to like who we are. Yeah, well said. I think I think that's exactly that. It's like as soon as you give people the right context and the right permission, I mean, you can even see it in like fans at a football game, right? Like they are entering an imaginal realm. They're putting on a context in which they can act 
you know, in more acceptable ways. They can scream, they can yell, they can dance, they can emote. And as soon as you allow them and give permission for them in that context, like people go for it, right? People are not that reserved. They're not like, oh my God, there's like 20,000 people around me. I should, you know, act in a whatever kind of way. They're like, they just, you know, and a lot of people use alcohol to access these states, um, so I think we're doing it again. I think we've compartmentalized it in like, okay, I can dance when I'm at the club. Okay. I can yell when I'm at the football game. Like, I mean, you know, I can move when I'm at the right. gym. Like, yeah, when people, people need a specific set of context and permission in that context to orient their behavior on how they can act versus being able to access that, like, in your living room, in the grocery store, at the playground, you know, you know, wherever it is. There's definitely a discussion to be had there about like order and chaos, right? And this is why we see some destructive behaviors at at sports games or music festivals from time to time where people get so lost in the crowd and so lost in their emotions that people get injured, people do things that are so crazy that because they're just they're not thinking at all and so like we do need some sort of social construction to to prevent those things because obviously the you know total chaos is is of course not good, right? So we can't just be like totally free to do anything we you know the, that are that our instinct desires for us in that moment and especially with like groupthink and whatever that becomes quite challenging as you get lost in it but separate kind of conversation i just think worth uh, worth worth mentioning one thing switching gears just a little bit that i did want to talk to you about because i've been seeing you talk about this over the past few days is we have a bit of a have a bit of a countdown and by the time this episode comes out i think the, the countdown will be over but this idea of accessing vitamin D and sourcing quote unquote vitamin D from the sun. So we all know on a basic level, we get vitamin D from the sun. And of course we can supplement from it. But something that I didn't actually know until, until I saw you speaking about it was that due to the angle of the sun in the winter months, we can't actually get vitamin D from the sun. Is that correct to say? And can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Again, this idea that like you are not separate from your environment. Um, and that seasonality, despite our ability to highly manipulate the environment, is a very real thing. So basically, there's several ways that this works. So you have, when the sun rises, you have infrared light, then you have UVA rays, and then you have UVB rays when the sun is above 31 degrees, and then it goes back to UVA and down to infrared, sunset, darkness. Now the UVB rays is what cause a response on your skin that produces the vitamin, the hormone that we call vitamin D, and eventually it's absorbed then into your skin and moved throughout your body. Um, well, here in the northern latitudes, that simply doesn't happen <laughs> between October and February. And... Um, there's really cool, like, evolutionary characteristics, right? That's why we're so white. We're so white so that we can maximize the sun exposure when we get it. 
and um folks that are like redheaded and are like quote unquote like ginger they actually can produce their own vitamin d right because they're so evolved for highly northern latitudes and the other part of that is again really great is why i love the science because it's like a lot of this stuff is like no duh like we get benefits from the sun um, and that happens in this little window during the day and that sun is signaling to our body in our hormonal system like, hey, it's time to be awake, right? And the other part of that is in the summer months when we have really long days, your body is actually producing less melatonin right? Because you have really short nights and it takes about four hours of complete darkness for you to produce melatonin. Now we have this opposite effect in the winter where we are actually designed to spend long periods in the darkness in which we're producing a lot of melatonin over that time, right? So we are like the sun and the temperature again despite like our ability to modify that is dictating like everything about who you are and how you feel right here in the northwest people are so depressed during the summer the sorry the winter months they're not getting all these benefits from the sunlight and then they're actually not getting the benefits from the darkness either because they're in a highly modified lit environment um so yeah so and then again your body is storing up all of this vitamin d in your fat cells so that as you enter into the winter, you have very robust stores that you can access. And sure, you can supplement with it, but we know that supplementation is never as good as the whole food. We can get it from things like fish um, and I think like bone broth. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure we can get it from fish and some of the other organ meats. Um so again, like there's just, it's so natural. It's so like stupidly simple that it, you shouldn't even have to think about it. We shouldn't even have to prove it. But because when you do, you're just like, no, op, duh, obviously, like we evolved <laughs> in an outdoor environment for millions of years. And of course we have adapted to it. And now we live in a world that we are not adapted to and then obviously you know disease and that is rampant yeah this this thought that evolution happens way faster than we think or would like it to like we've only had lights for the past i don't know how many generations but not enough to evolve to like not need the sunlight anymore <laughs> like just because we you know anyone who's listening to this you've always had lights in your home for your entirety of your life it doesn't mean your human body has evolved to not need the sunlight like we need the sunlight and there's no getting around that and no your phone is not sunlight although like Kyle was just mentioning 
we don't experience the darkness because you have lights on in your house. You have, there's the street lights coming in through the window. Even if you do shut the lights off in your room, plus you have your phone three inches from your face as you're scrolling TikTok before you go to bed. And, and then we wonder why, why we're, you know, sad and upset and, uh, can't fall asleep and we have all these sleep issues. And it's like, well, we're just not living in harmony with like our world. And, you know, as woo woo as you might think that is, or that might sound to hear, that's the truth. You can't, you can't get around this, right? These are, this is just our biology and you can either fight it or you can try and work with it. And, and, you know, you, if you think, if you think you're, you're stronger than, than the sun, then, then the, the, the rhythm of the earth, then go for it. But if I were a betting man, I I wouldn't bet on you. (laughs) Yeah. Very well said. It's just, you know, so again, it's go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so, so how much, like, what is your strategy in the winter months then for, for vitamin D, like a little more practically speaking, what's your, what's your plan? Yeah. So again, because we can't just go without it, right? You can, right. And I mean, it sucks. It's going to have an effect on you. And again, hopefully you have massive stores because you had the law, you had February till October to like put money in the bank, right? Like it's a great metaphor. Like we, it's, it's like you're in right now. You could think of it as like you're in debt and you're about to lose your income and you're not going to get any more Mm. income until February. Are you going to make it like, cool. Like maybe I had dumpster dive, I food stamp, I, you know, got some homies that are hooking me up, but like, it's not going to be as good as if like, boom, I got money in the bank. Like I'm coasting this winter. So strategy number one is get it while you can store it up. Um, strategy number two, like definitely supplement, like no, it's super cheap, super easy. Um, no problems with supplementation. If you eat fish, I think fish and getting it in your food source is a really good way to do it. But you can use a tanning bed. So a tanning bed and actually the shittier tanning beds are the ones that are better for you because they produce the UVB rays, which are people are like, that's tanning beds are giving you cancer. And it's like, yeah, probably. And again, like (laughs) moderation and mindful use of it. Um, you know, like I, I definitely use a tanning bed in the winter. Like I can also drive South. So the Southern half of the world does get and have, um, year round vitamin D exposure. Um, so yeah, so when you go on vacation, like it would be wise to go on vacation to a sunny place and then that would be a good opportunity to take advantage of that. But again, it's like nothing is like clean cut. It's like, you know, daylight savings is fucking up your circadian rhythm, right? So if you're traveling time zones or traveling south, again, your body is modulating and adapting to that. So there's always a little bit of this lag period that we want to be mindful of. um, And we want to try to manage that clock in the best way that we can with the tools that we have and the understanding um, that we're aware of. So the real best strategy is just to 
is just to move south and put some money in the bank for the winter. <laughs> Hopefully you got some money in the bank and you can go down to Mexico for until February and then come back. And again, That's like right. getting early season sun for those of you that are like fair skinned. Um, yeah, the sun is not intense for as long in the early spring. Um, so February is like the coldest time of the year. Right. So that's when like cold training benefits you like, cool. Now I can go and get my sun exposure. I can do some cold training. I can do some movement. I can start to stack these things um, again in ecology of practices versus uh, a very compartmentalized practice. Like I'm going to go to the gym. Then Amazing I'm gonna go segue to the there. And I'm just going to ride that because this was... <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you're st- stacking the things. It sounds very uh, Liver King-esque. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him and he's stacking his ancestral tenants but uh, you know, to sell his supplements But because that's very ancestral. But anyways, <laughs> the, the, the last like, little more technical thing I kind of wanted to, to ask you about was, uh, was the cold exposure. And I know that you mentioned earlier you have been going into the river and you have access, river access very close to, to your uh, community there. Did you have experience with this extreme cold exposure prior to this summer? And like, was the river really that cold in, in the summer months or, or how was it? And what did you experience on a personal level from, from being in the cold and the cold water a little bit more? Yeah, totally. So I, so at the wilderness school, like kind of like pond club was a thing. And then I found out about Wim Hof in like 2016 And then in 2017, I went to Poland and I trained with Wim and one of his like first groups that climbed Mount Snezga. So I climbed a mountain in my shorts and it was minus 21 degrees in a snowstorm where you couldn't see the person in front of you. And I did that with untrained people. I did that with people who had a variety of like disease, did that with people who were overweight and... Um, it was really amazing. Like, again, the power of the mind. And from that point on, I basically, I did the breathing and I took a cold shower every day for three years. And, um, it's both like this, like liberating, like amazing connection. Like I do it cause I want to connect with the place, like getting in the water, like being at like neck level in like a mountain lake is just like such a meaningful and profound experience for me that I've really always uh, I've, I started to just carry that with me and then again the science boom cardiovascular benefits like oh wow you're picking up electrons from the water oh the microbiota of the water is getting on your skin and it just started to like stack and then I would come across um uh people and like one of my elders um from a tribe up in alaska he was just like yeah like we know that the closer that you get to the source of the water the more healing the water is and he would talk about all these Mm. like old late 60 70 year old ladies just like in alaska just like casually swimming in these environments And I think it's well known both scientifically and kind of metaphysically that water is deeply healing. 
Um, so the, the, and I think cold is relative, like hot and cold are, are such relative terms that don't actually mean anything. Right. Like if someone's like, it's cold outside, you're like, okay, well I'm from Wisconsin. Like, you know, like <laughs> when, like springtime when it's like 50 degrees and it feels like it's super hot. Right. But 50 degrees in the fall is like very chilly. Um, so I just really started to tap into this idea that like time and temperature are very relative and they are not actually, they're like tricks we play on each other. Like if you tell somebody it's cold outside, you just screwed them over. Now they have a preconception that they should be mm. cold and they might you know, do a bunch of things around that. But what I learned from whim is that being cold is a choice and that I can be in control of my biology and I can be in relationship with the world when the, when the temperature, again, it's like light when the, the temperature, my skin is exposed to the wind and the temperature, it adapts, right? When you go in cold water, your body temperature radically increases. Your metabolism goes up over 300%, right? You can like vasodilate different parts um, and you work these primitive muscles that line your capillaries, so like a lot of people get like cold hands and feet when they go in the water. And that's basically because your the capillaries that open and close your veins are like doing the most intense isometric you could think of. Right. They're like, oh, shit, I'm going to die. All blood go to the organ systems right now. And you get that pain. And then when you relax, you can feel the blood coming back. And just like anything, you can train that at really high levels. Um, and then again, using it for healing. And the final thing I'll say about that is like, well, two things. One, like cold water is just like the, the, the general orientation of the world. Like hot water is a very modern convenience, right? Or a very small window, right? Of opportunity. Although, other than that, um, the water is actually like the coldest in the spring, um, and the warmest in the fall. But um, oh no, I lost it. Um, yeah, that I I just think it's an opportunity to connect. It's an opportunity to oh yeah, the seasonality of it. So by going in relatively cold water the water by me is like 40 to 50 degrees kind of throughout the summer it actually prepares your fat your metabolism and your cardiovascular system for being able to enter into the winter more resilient right it's like training for a marathon like a lot of us are just like fuck it's winter Right. Like I got to suck it up and like put on a million jackets. It's like it's like if you just woke up and were like, cool, I'm going to run a marathon. You would need a wheelchair to make it to the end. And you can, by being in relationship with your environment, be better prepared um, for that. And I think that's like goes with sunlight and all of these things that were evolved with and from are just preparing us to be in communication and to be ready for whatever's coming.
I think trying to understand it from a from a relativity perspective is incredible. I saw this meme the other day actually right along this topic and it said, you know, Celsius degrees Celsius for temperature. It's not how cold you are. It's a reflection of how cold the water is because the points are zero for freezing and 100 for boiling. And and Kelvin, the scientific uh, temperature measure that we use is not how cold you are. It's how cold atoms are. And so your body doesn't have a thermometer in it that measures in degrees Celsius or degrees Fahrenheit or whatever. It just knows colder than warmer than. And the same thing is for our training. People get stuck on like the number of reps. And it's like your body doesn't know that you did 10 reps, 11 reps. It has no idea what that means. It just understands did you apply more force or less force? Do I need to lay down more tissue or take away tissue? What needs to happen here? And so understanding these things for what they actually are, and then you can use that to frame your response, emotional and physical to it, is is probably pretty powerful, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think like like you're saying, your your intent and your relationship with any of those things is way more powerful than even doing 10 mindless reps right you could do three like very mindful reps and likely get you know the same if not more benefit from that yeah absolutely bringing attention to our actions and intention to our actions is is super important and you know getting out in nature is of course one of those things because they're or one of the ways that we can accelerate that because there are less distractions. You're less distracted by your phone and the goings on of the world. And you can just be here now and do the thing that you are trying to do. So that's why I think, you know, what you're doing is, is so important and why uh, I wanted to talk to you as soon as John shout out to John Mart Rosen, J Mart for, for connecting us. But as soon as he mentioned it, I looked you up. I was like, yeah, this guy, like we need, <laughs> we need to have a conversation because this is, this is important stuff and people need to get like this information needs to get out there and people need to hear this. So, so uh, thank you, man. Thank you for, for what you do. And, and thank you for, for sharing with us today. Yeah, I appreciate you. I've been, I was cruising through your Instagram and I'm like, ah, this, we got a lot in common here. We're definitely seeing the world through a similar lens. And um, yeah, like you said, just highlighting a lot of these things that are both like intuitive and natural and really easy in a lot of ways. But for some reason we've like overcomplicated things and we've looked to authority um and kind of just relieved ourselves of some of our own agency um but i like yeah what you said like it's you have a i i agree to um like i have a weird job like we both teach things that (laughs) kids do naturally and people just knew and if you didn't know you died and your ancestors didn't make it um so it's really fascinating that we both this is our our career our job our our work in the world and i'm both like mind blown by that and i'm also really stoked and happy to be doing that alongside people like yourself yeah, that's that's an amazing way to say it. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to use that one for sure. It's things that if you didn't know, you would have died, but now you pay people to figure them out. So, <laughs> what a what a world, man! What a world. Um, Kyle, thank you so much, man. Is there is there anything else that you want to leave the people with here in closing? Any last thoughts? Um. Yeah, I just always want to encourage people whenever, wherever you can, get outside and just look, you know, 
at the world. You know, there's so much out there waiting for you to be known by you and by you knowing it, it becomes that much more real. And the more real we can make the living world around us, the more likely we are to actually protect it. Um, so go outside. It's lovely. Beautiful, man. Well said. What is your contact info? Where can people reach out to you and learn more? I'll put it all in the show notes as well, but rattle it off for us. Yeah. Um, a lot of my work is through Evolve Move Play, evolvemoveplay.com. Um, but you can find me on Instagram at Trotting Sparrow. And yeah, you can reach out to me there. I'm super responsive. I'd love to be in more dialogue and chat about others who are doing um, good work in the world. And so, yeah, social media is where it's at right now. Apparently so. Until we get outside. Kyle, thank you so much, man. <laughs> I, I appreciate you. Everyone listening, follow at Trotting Sparrow on Instagram. You connect with Kyle there, ask any questions about outdoors and just learn a little bit more for yourself. And most importantly, share this with a friend because we all need to get outside a little bit more. So follow me on Instagram as well at Daniel Yoris. Share the podcast, rate, review on iTunes, Spotify, all the places. Go outside, be a good person, take your shoes off and have a great day.